Hey, welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. And me, Anya Adams. Sister Brunch is a podcast about Black Women Plus striving and thriving in media, entertainment, and the arts. And we cannot wait to share more stories with you over the next few weeks. We are so excited to bring you an update on a friend of the podcast and now two-time guest, Kelly Edwards. (laughs) Kelly was formerly the senior vice president at HBO for seven long years. She's recently transitioned into a two-year first look television writing deal at HBO, where she's going to develop a slate of projects under her Edwardian Pictures banner. Her book, The Executive Chair, that's right, she was an exec. Now she has a two-look deal. And then she wrote a, a book called The Executive Chair, A Writer's Guide to TV Development, debuted as an instant Amazon bestseller. She is currently writing for the Fox drama, Our Kind of People, and she splits her time between Los Angeles and Missoula, Montana, which is and a lovely sitter. It is a lot. Apparently it is. Someday we're going to get there. And I got to say this, and it's not because she's a friend of Sister Brunch, and it's not, you know, because I want her to hire me someday or work with her. I, for real, like, y'all, this book, it's for writers. It says it's for writers. I needed this book. Every executive I've ever met, especially in development, needs this book. So anybody who wants to be in the industry, y'all should get this book. We are so glad to catch up with you, Kelly Edwards. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah, very glad to have you. This is amazing. We're not going to pat ourselves on the backs too much. I mean, we, but we will though. say that the last time you were here, you were talking about your dreams. And then suddenly after your appearance on Sister Brunch, all your dreams started to come true. So I, <laughs> Wait, I, I mean, Fanchon, Fanchon, are we dream makers? What? I think we might be dream makers. <laughs> I owe it all to you. You Thank you. <laughs> Somebody finally said it. And so Kelly, for real, talk to us about, because at that time, I think you might have still been at HBO or you were just about to leave and you were talking about this dream of, of being a screenwriter and how you were kind of finally saying that to the world. And you had done Sundance, I think, and, and talking about just what an incredible experience that was. So walk us through everything that's happened since. We want to Sure. Know. Yeah, I do think it's interesting how much a a year makes you know a tremendous amount of difference yeah. and and it it does feel like it just happened so quickly i feel like i was shot out of a cannon and yet at the same time it also feels like this was 30 years coming so mm. it's in some ways it feels like it was the culmination of a lot of work along the way but once it, the pieces were in place it happened pretty rapidly so uh-huh. yeah i do think the last time i was with you it was i was probably just completing my MFA, I think, from yes, Emerson. You were, yes. Yeah. So it was the last couple of months of that, which was a fantastic experience. Some people have asked me, you know, is it worth it going to uh, to get your advanced degree? And I I went to get it because I wanted to make sure that I had no barriers in if I wanted to teach. So I wanted to make sure that I eliminated that. And HBO was paying for it, so there was no better. That's a there sweet deal, right there. Yeah. Yes. But um, but I was winding that down, writing some material. And I had just finished Sundance, which had taken place in um, the end of 2019. And that really sealed the deal for me. I knew exactly what I wanted to do once I had done that program. And there was absolutely no question. And when at the top of 2020, I was asked to re-up at HBO for another few years with a huge salary bump and a much bigger scope to work over, 
I did not hesitate. And I just said no. And I, cause I wow. was very, very secure. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew also that by that point I could do the job at HBO in my sleep. It was by that time, very by rote. I loved the opportunity to, to launch people's careers. And that was the thing that kept me because I love those people. And every time we discovered some new talent, it was something that was sort of unexpected. And there's something very, very exciting about that. But at the same time, personally, I was feeling like I was dying a little inside every day. You know, the yeah. idea of getting up every day to go do that for me was the sheen was wearing off. And I knew that I, I have this sort of cycle, six year cycle anyway, where I want to learn a new trick. Every six years, yeah. you, if you look at my resume, oh, every six years, I've, do, I've done something very wildly different. Wow, that's so and cool. And so, yeah, my mom, it scares my mom like crazy. She's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, is she gonna, is she gonna work again? Um, and I, I told her to talk to Gen Z. They don't believe in work at all. So exactly. <laughs> right. But we still so, want you to listen to the podcast, guys. Yes, please. Yes. There are valuable <laughs> lessons here. You got to follow the passion though. Yeah. So, when I saw you guys last, it was at that place where I had made the decision to jump off the edge of the whatever lifeboat bridge, whatever, and give up a, a hugely lucrative career where I really had no, there was no oversight. I was, I yes. had so much autonomy wow. and it was a great gig, but at the same time, I knew that I had more to contribute to the universe. And I ended up getting, taking this deal. It's a two year first look deal that they offered me. And by July 16th, I had, I was done. And that was my last, I think my last day, wow. I think July 17th would have been my first day as a free woman. And of course I went into panic mode because I thought, oh my yeah. God, what have I done? No longer am I, yeah. like, I'm gonna, my health insurance was going to run out in two weeks. And, you know, it was just, oh, a, a, I was, I was freaking out a little bit, but at the same time, at the very end, somewhere early July, I had been introduced to somebody who had um, written a book and recommended that I talk to her publisher about writing a book for my, uh, myself. And I got a call really, really quickly, maybe 48 hours after she says, hey, you've got a book in you. I had this call from the publisher and he said, hey, I'd love you to consider writing a book about the business from the executive side. And I did a sample chapter in a week. I did a table of contents and literally a week after I left HBO, I had a book deal. Oh my gosh. I've often yes. sort of likened it to, Amazing. you know, that that freak out moment you get when you do something that's that most people would look at and go, she's insane right. to then the, the universe kind of catching me and saying, it's going to be okay. That, listen, it didn't just say it's going to be okay. It was like, you just did the right thing. We've been waiting right. for you, You're bitch. Right like, why yeah. did it take you so long? Cause then it was yes. like, here's all the riches that come with that. Kelly, let me ask you something real quick, because I think you talk about this in the book, which again, that's the way you kind of have all this information in front of you. But when you say overall deal, can you talk about what that means versus let's say, cause in the best of ways now, like all kinds of black folks, like Megan the Stallion just got or Megan the Stallion, sorry, right. just got to deal with them. What do right. these different deals mean, and what does yours mean and look like for you? Sure, and and I think this is a really important conversation piece because not a lot, not a people are having this conversation, and yeah. we need to, particularly as people of color, because we have been left out of the conversation. So. Um, I actually do. I have a first look deal, which is different than an overall. An overall deal means that the company that I'm working for or that I have a deal with 
is paying all of my expenses and then some. It's an exclusive deal, so I have to take everything to them or whoever would have to take every all their projects to them. And if they don't move forward, then the likelihood that they would be able to sell them elsewhere with another company is little to none. Usually they are very exclusive. So they're paying to take you off the market, but they're also paying a premium for that. So it's a huge check. And that also allows that person, that writer or that executive producer to create a staff and to look for IP and to commission material if they want to. So there's a lot of things that comes with that exclusivity that is incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be Dick Wolf or Bruckheimer or Berlanti, you know, that's the way to do it is to have a lot of people working for you who can also be developing material so that you are, you have your hands in a lot of pies and you have then not just one thing you're doing at a time, but many things. Mm -hmm. And and as we know, it's a, this is a numbers game. So you have to have many things in development because half those things, if not three quarters of the things are going to fall apart. So you need to make sure that you have a quite a bit of opportunity that you are fielding out there at the same time. For what I have, I have a first look deal, which means that I'm not exclusive, but I do take everything first to HBO and I pitch it to them. And if they say that they're not interested, then I take it elsewhere and I pitch it elsewhere. So as of this moment, they have not bought anything from me, but I take everything to them and everything that else that I've taken out has actually had a life somewhere else. So I've been developing other projects with other companies. I just have to make sure that I clear it with HBO or HBO Max first. So that's the difference. And it's not as much money for me. It's a nominal amount of money, but it's enough to keep me afloat, which is all I wanted, you know, in launching my career. So I get a paycheck every month and that paycheck has been enough to allow me to hire somebody part-time to help me with my social media profile and to help yes. me do coverage and to look for books and to to track down rights. So I have a very, very small staff that I pay out of that. But for the most part, that money goes to, you know, paying myself so that I, you know, can pay my mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if something moves forward or if, if I get on staff, like then they are still paying me. They had the ability yes. to do a suspend and extend, which means that they would they would pause my deal. And then started up once I was off the show, but they opted not to do that. They opted to keep paying me concurrently along with my show deal money. A real quick question with that. How long are first look and overall deals? Like if it's your first one, is there a certain amount of time that you might make that deal for? Or it just depends on what they want? It depends. I've Mm -hmm. heard of some people having first look deals just for a year. I was lucky enough to get two. Um, It might've had something to do with the fact that I had, already had 18 months left on my contract. So they mm. may have taken that into account that I, they were still wow. going to pay me for 18 months anyway. So why not right. convert some of that money into a deal? So I don't know what they were thinking was, was on that side, but it worked out really well for me. And then there's something called a housekeeping deal, which is, uh, it's yeah. something that I had when I was at Paramount. I was an executive producer and we had an overall deal. I partnered with a man who had had a deal already. And so we partnered up together. We had an overall deal. And then at one point they converted the overall deal into a housekeeping deal. So instead of them paying for office space, for assistance and for, you know, anytime, any copies and expenses, which is what we had under the overall deal, we went to, no, 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 they're only going to pay for the office space. It was only going to be, you know, Mm. the housekeeping was just the location and the assistant, but everything else was 
done on commission. So every time I mm. sold something, I would get money, but I was not getting an, a regular salary. Mm-hmm. And that, by the way, hurt like crazy. That was tough. A real couple of years that were really, really lean for me. And, what are you supposed um, to be doing in between? Well, you're just supposed to be selling like crazy. The problem right, is, is okay. that when you have a deal like that, like, for example, if I had a deal like that at a company that desperately wanted a lot of material, then I have an opportunity to pitch and to sell and to set up a lot of things, which would then kick back checks to me. Every time I set something up, I would have gotten a check. But when I w- we were working under Paramount, Paramount had very few slots. We were only really allowed to sell to CBS and to UPN. Those places only had so many available places to, you know, time slots to sell. Yeah. Mm. They also limited us too, because we weren't allowed to, to use the Paramount big showrunners. We couldn't go to them. We couldn't go to the big guys. They had charged us because we were, you know, a little tiny company with finding the new, the next person, the next big thing. And what we did was we did find quite a few of those next big things and then they wouldn't buy them. So we were hampered by that. So I was actually just telling people on Clubhouse recently, there was, you know, all the things that you, that slipped through my fingers, like Gossip Girl. We had the Gossip Girl work. We had Desperate Housewives because we had been working with um, Mark Cherry for years pitching. We had um, Diablo Cody's first script we had sold her project to UPN and that's I think way before her her book had come out but Juno had not come out so we had Mm -hmm. all of these we had all these people like right before they hit it big and then we had not we weren't able to sell them so it was a really tough place to be at least now you know there's so much out there there's so many places that you can sell to so there's there's a lot of opportunity potentially if you can get past Mm -hmm. the pitching problem which is that everybody wants three and four pre-pitches before you pitch, and then it's notes and notes and notes before you can even get to the finish line. That's a challenge. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cops and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with our amazing and inspiring guest, Kelly Edwards. Check out more of our conversation on breaking into the industry with Kelly Edwards. So Kelly, if you're comfortable, because we agree it's important for folks to know the difference between those terms and titles, but also salary wise, like what is a kind of, you know, ballpark salary you might get for each of those different deals? For me, my salary for if I sell something is pre-negotiated. And so there's a number that, that, so I don't have to go in and make another deal for that. That happened at the beginning deal making at that point. So I would say for, you know, overall deals are in the millions. Typically there can be very high, you know, high numbers. So all the ones that I've heard of have been upwards of a million dollars because you are taking a person off the market. And those people usually- for yeah, it could be a year. Couple years, be, a year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think I it's also <laughs> <laughs> it's also those those people who they're going after for those overall deals are pretty high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are mm-hmm. people who whose names mean something out there, and yeah. that's the premium that you're paying for that. And I'm saying a million is the baseline usually because those are people who either are talent, you know, or they are 
executive producers who've had some a track record. For a housekeeping deal, like I said before, we were only getting paid when we sold something. And, so, and this is back maybe 15 years ago. So when we were selling something, we would get a check for about $10,000 and we would split it either 50, 50 or whoever brought it in. If we, if depending on how, how the, how the manpower worked out, it was either if I brought it in, I got, you know, two thirds or whatever, and he got a third or if he brought it in. So it, it was a, it was a different kind of structure that we made a deal between ourselves, but that's $10,000 is not that much when you're only selling six or seven things a year and then you're splitting it. It's really yeah. hard. Right. So, um, and then for, for a first look deal, I think those also vary as well. And I've heard that people have, have had very large, hefty sums, uh, for a first, first look deal down to pretty nominal. Mine is barely nominal and it's, mine is only 150,000 a year. So, and by the way, I have no problem with telling anybody what I make. I've, I've never, I've, awesome. anytime anybody's ever asked me, I've always been very, very that's so right. good because that's another thing we should share so that when sure. we go to negotiate something like this, we know, we know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And let me back up and say what I walked away from at HBO was high 300s, nice. uh, wow. somewhere in the, in the high two, well, I'll say high 200s to maybe mid 300s with the bonus and all of that. Right. And stock options. So I walked oh, away from damn. all that. Okay. And remember, then I was asked to take a bigger job for a lot more than that. Right. But it really wasn't enough to feed my soul. And I know that if yes. push came to shove, I could always walk back into a job like that. I, mm. It's not the end of the road by any stretch of the imagination if I don't want it to be the end of the road. Um, it's really so important that's, what you're saying about not making choices just for money. I mean, I think yes. it's easy to get in this industry and start doing that, but you really have to follow your heart. I think, you know, obviously you need to make money to live, but, you know, if you start making cho choices only for money, it can get pretty soul crushing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do feel as though I made the absolute right decision. And what's crazy about it is, you know, who knows if the book's going to make any money? I don't know. I didn't do it to make any money off of that. I haven't seen a dime yeah. out of that, really. But this overall deal, this first look deal, combined with the money that I made on the show, which is a staff yes. writer. Yes. Was it's about forty five hundred dollars a week, but it comes yes. to about a hundred thirty k something like that for twenty mm -hmm. weeks. Something what I don't know something like that. Whatever it was, it was it's it's enough that to combined it pretty much you takes me back to where I yes. yeah yeah. So yeah, yeah, I have two jobs and you keep your deal with HBO throughout it, right? You keep as correct. you said, yeah. Which again, I just that. Just knowing these numbers, no, because black women, we don't know where that number starts. You know what I'm saying? So sure. like, we don't even know to calculate what our lives would be like to live that way or, you know, or again, what to ask our representative to negotiate for. So exactly. that, I'm so grateful for that. That's it's awesome. also interesting that you say that you have multiple streams of income as well which is right. something I think people don't think about. Like, it's not like you just in, I am the director and I'm, or I'm the writer, but like you have all these projects happening, which are generating different types of income that build up to something, which is also something yes. you can do in this industry. And I haven't even explored the idea of how to monetize after that, especially on the book. People mm. have said, Hey, do you do consulting? And I'm like, mm, no, not really, but I could. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, a completely different revenue stream. And then also, I'm also writing a novel. So I feel like there's, yes. there's potential to do other things yeah. in order that are still in the same lane that I can 
completely monetize. I could create the product. So I could, I could do a whole chat. I have chapters that I didn't put in, in the book. I could right. put that on online for two bucks a pop and see if people yeah. want to read that. You know, so I feel like there's, there are things that we, sometimes we forget that we, and we, we don't look past the fact that we have a particular expertise and we've done X, we could do X, Y, and Z and still also create that same circle around your brand. So yeah. I do think that there's probably more for me to do. I'm actually starting to write a second book, which is about being in the writer's room. So who okay. knows if that, if that'll come into anything, I don't know, but there are ways to supersize what I've got going on now that I haven't even started to explore. Now, like being a creator and having been an exec, how do those two play off each other in a, like, how is that helping you as a writer and a creator, your exec position? I think quite a few things. Mm -hmm. I, and I will tell you, actually, I had this really interesting conversation with um, a director, Mary Lou Belli, who runs the Warner Brothers directing program. She's amazing. So I had taken the directing program. I audited. I'm going to say audited because I was creating my own director's program and I asked Rebecca Windsor, I said, Hey, can I snug in and take your class? And she said, yeah, but you have to really take it. So they forced me to do this, the directing program, which was a phenomenal experience. And I learned so much about it. And I called up Mary Lou recently because she had actually directed an episode of our kind of people. And I said, I just want to thank you because what you taught me in that room I've used to be a better writer. Yes. I said, I said, I look, I look at material differently. I look at, you know, how do you simplify? How do you talk to actors? How do you make sure that the intention is clear? I said, all of those things I have, you know, just even knowing the shots and how, how to compose a shot and how to make something simple in the writing so that it, Mm. it translates for the director. And I said, I just want to thank you because I feel like I've become a better writer just by taking the directing class. And I think I also pull in things from the executive world about clarity and about being really intentional about notes. And, Mm. and I also can also take a look at people often ask me things like, well, what do you think is going to happen? And what kind of notes you think we're going to get? And what do you (laughs) think is going to happen? And I go, I can certainly give them my thoughts (laughs) about that. Right. You know, sometimes it's not even helpful to give those kinds of thoughts because, you know, you don't want to be the smarty pants in the, in the room. That's, that's, right. not, that's not anything that anybody wants. But there are things where I could see from the table read that certain mm. actors really popped with other actors. And I said, I think we're going to probably be writing towards that. And then yeah. we started to write towards that. Mm. So there are things like that where I can maybe look at a long game a little bit nice. differently than maybe other writers. But I happen to have the most extraordinary experience in this writer's room. They are the loveliest, most supportive people. And I'm, oh, I wish nice. everyone, I wish everyone could have this kind of experience. I've heard of horror stories where people right. are, are bullied mercilessly and, you know, they are not supported and nurtured. Yeah. And I, I had a moment where I was working on a, on a scene because they, they allow us to, you know, if we're baby writers, we get to write a scene or here or two. And I ended up getting a chance to write an entire act for an wow. episode. Oh, and shucks. and I sent it in and I got a call a half hour later from the executive producer who was overseeing that particular script. And he said, hey, just wanted to let you know you did a great job. 
And I thought, oh I thought, first of all, I, as an executive, you long to hear someone say, right? pat you on the head and go, hey, you did a good <laughs> job. And nobody ever does that. They never, you never get that. Yeah. No, they do that in your paycheck every once in a year, once a year, but they right. don't go out of their way to say, hey, great job. Yeah. And I, I desperately need that as a human being. I long for someone yeah. to just tell me, Hey, you, you did good job or you wrote something really, really good. And I, and I'm like a little infant in that way. And he no, told me, Kelly, he just told everybody's me, that way. Everybody, let's yes. be clear. Everybody right. needs that. It's just we don't always like get to this tough it. exterior and be like, yes. you know, I don't need that. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, it was, it was magical for me. He said, yeah, he goes, I know what it's like to be a young writer and not hear back and not get feedback. He said, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that she, that she did a good job. And I yes. just, I will now follow him anywhere. So I, right? yeah, I'm, mm. I'm just overjoyed. But I do feel like that cool. I've also learned a lot as an executive about management and about leadership. And, yeah. and I've taken all of that to this. And I had the luxury of sitting on set for six months. And I was a writer on set, really. And there two other writers were able to come down to set. But, you know, we were in the middle of COVID and, you know, people didn't want to, you know, have too much upset and things like that on, on the set. So I got a chance to really sit there and utilize all of those skills hmm. that I learned as an executive and took them because, you know, it's I had been on set before, yeah. uh, you know, sitting in that seat, but I'd never really sat there from first call down to you know, <laughs> down to the, to, down to wrap for the day. It's a long day. That's a long day. But a crew is a, is a family in so many ways. And I felt like one of the family. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. Hey, it's Fanchon and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. Why not? At Sister Brunch. Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. And Facebook at Facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. You can leave us a comment, slide in our DMs, and share your own views and news with us. We want to celebrate all your hard work with you. Tell us about the book. Like, give us a trailer version so we know. Well, I would say that the reason I wrote this book was really to make sure that everyone know that the, knows that the doors are open in Hollywood. And that without, yeah. without new content, without new blood, without new ideas, without new bodies, we die on the vine. So we yes. need to make sure that people, everybody knows that, you know, if you have this dream and you really are committed to this dream, that there is a place for you. And, you know, I do say that, sometimes those dreams don't always look like what you envision. Sometimes they take a little detour for certainly mine yeah. did took a very big detour. And then I ended up back in the place that I thought I should be in the first place. But the idea is this book was, was created to be encouraging to hopefully inspire people to want to live out their dream. If this is what, if being in Hollywood is part of it, I don't feel as though I, sugarcoat things too much but it is it is a tough business and yet um but there's some tricks of the trade and i want to make sure that people feel as though they have the keys to the kingdom a little bit if if they do want to get in there's so many things that we take for granted as as hollywood insiders that we forget to say to someone who is coming in for the first time you know here's Mm -hmm. how a great way to create your portfolio and here's a great way to talk about yourself and here's a great way to pitch an idea and here's some ideas and, and also that no one knows nothing, right? They, we right. don't know. And, and so, so don't feel as though you need to know everything, but here are some things yes. that'll help your, your life 
a little bit easier and your your path a little bit easier. So that's the whole goal of the book. And, and I hope yeah. that people find some value in it. And even if it's just a nice quick read on the weekend where you have a little bit more information than you had before, that's the that's what this book's all about. And where can we get it? Amazon? Yeah, you can get it at Amazon. I believe it's in Barnes & Noble. It's in a lot of independent wow. booksellers. Right. And, and number I'm one be... on arts and entertainment on Amazon. Woo! She's killing it. She's all killing right. it. Right. The, audio, the audio version of this should be out somewhere in February or March. Nice. Did you do it? I'm going to do yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. So good. You, you can listen to it on your walks, guys. Get this book. <laughs> yeah, for real. Get it. And yeah. I mean, for me, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I can be on set or or even development with other people who haven't read it and be like, I just, it really, I have this, this like impetus now to be like, um, would you please read this book? And then we can come back and then, talk then again. Come back and talk to me. It's like that. <laughs> it is like that. Uh, thank you, Kelly Edwards. Thank you, Kelly, for coming Thanks back. Thanks for coming back. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Sister Brunch with me, Anya Adams and Fanchon Cox. That was our conversation with Kelly Edwards. Visit sisterbrunch.com to find out more about her and how to support her upcoming projects. Hey, follow us. Why not? You know, like, let's all exchange some, some tweets and stuff and some Instagram profiles and pictures. Follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Sister Brunch and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. If you've got questions, ask a question in our Ask Sister Brunch segment. Visit sisterbrunch.com to fill out our questions form and we might just ask the question on the air. Also sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can get job tips, viewing recommendations, and lots more. And also don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. Your support is so important to us. Our senior producer is Sonata Lee Narcisse. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Cristobal and Sia Boade. And we'd like to acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles. Can't wait to see you next time. Take care, everyone.